Chapter Six of Geoffrey the Knight and the Fair Brunissande by Jean Bernard Marie Lafon. This LibriVox recording is in the public domain. The Orchard of Brunissande. Harassed, fatigued, and sore with many a bruise, Geoffrey was sinking too for food and drink. And yet the want of sleep, of all our wants the most imperious, so weighed him down he scarce could keep his seat still he went on a quarter of the night with limbs benumbed and eyelids partly closed taking such course his charger pleased to lead serene and lovely was the atmosphere and by the lights the stars in shining gave he by adventure a large orchard saw shut in with marble walls and skirts with trees of umbrage such as earth scarce saw before flowers and fragrant herbs abounded there and with each puff of wind there issued out a sweet and balmy breath like paradise twas thus that as night fell the birds for leagues around did hither flock and perching on the leafy boughs warbled their dulcet notes till matin prime this orchard appertained to a great dame known as fair brunissande within the castle of montbrun she lived and father mother husband had she none fine was her court and rich of breeding high and knights and burghers minstrels jugglers from all countries hither trooping came the palace built of hewn and massive stone whereon the sculptor had employed his art was flanked with towers blackened o'er by time twas in the centre brunissande was lodged and to it seven gates a passage gave whereof the keepers could each one lead forth a thousand men five hundred damsels waited her commands but though twere rare to see such beauty met yet brunissande held empire over all in loveliness and grace one might have sought throughout the realms of earth and yet not found such high and gentle dame or one so fine in form her eyes and her sweet face swept from the mind of those who gazed on her all thought of former charms she was more fresh more fair more purely white than snow that lies upon the frosted dew and rose that opens on a lily's breast but ah felicity did not attend her charms yielding to some deep grief four times a day she sadly wept and mourned and thrice she rose at night to mourn again her sole delight was listening to the notes of those sweet birds which filled her orchard near which when she had heard she got some brief repose soon to awake again to weep and mourn and all her vassals of each age and sex little and great at that same hour of woe uttered the self-same moans and shed like tears arrived as we already said before her orchard fair joffrey got down and seeing an open gate he ventured in removed the bridle from his charger's mouth so that he grazed at ease and his shield placing neath his weary head his limbs outstretching on the flowery turf he soon most soundly slept just then did brunissande her footsteps take towards her chamber followed by her maids surprised the birds no longer tuned their notes she straightway bade the seneschal appear to whom she said with wrath some creature surely must have passed the gates and scared my gentle birds go quickly find it out and if perchance a man it proved to be he must be hither brought alive or dead 
Lady, the seneschal at once replied, I go with speed. Two squires preceding him, each with a lighted torch, his horse he mounted and rode down in haste, and in the orchard found the weary knight wrapped in profoundest sleep. He called him frequently, then shook him hard, but for a time in vain. His eyes at length with effort he unclosed, when, raising up his head, Fair knight, quoth he most courteously, by thine attainments and thy gentle birth, I do entreat thee, in God's name, to let me here abide and sleep my fill. Sleep must you now no more, replied the chief, but come before my lady, shall not rest until avenged on him who scares her birds. Quoth Joffrey, God permits thou shalt not take me off without a fight. The seneschal, on hearing such resolve, called to his squire to bring him out his arms. Meanwhile, the son of Devon slept again, so that the seneschal, when fully equipped, was forced a second time to wake him up, and roughly as at first. Knight! exclaimed Geoffrey, as he then arose. Tis a great sin to trouble my repose, for I am wearied out. But since thou hast chosen to accept the fight, wilt thou allow me to sleep on in peace if I do thee unhorse? By heaven's faith I swear it, laughing, the other said. Geoffrey then hastened to his horse's side, replaced the bit, and tightly drew the girths. Mounted he galloped at the seneschal, who having drawn him back a space, on rushing drove his lance at Geoffrey's shield, but never harmed the knight. He, on the contrary, with happy stroke unhorsed the seneschal, who full of shame, with head bowed down, and slow and thoughtful step, regained the castle and his lady's room. "'What is it?' asked Brunisande, "'that there doth lurk. "'A knight all armed, whose peer the world not holds, "'sleeping so soundly he would scarce awake. "'Why broughtest thou him not here? "'I wish him hither led, "'for, with God's help, no food shall pass these lips "'till that bold knight be hanged.' "'Lady,' replied the seneschal, "'he would not come, nor could I wake him up.' "'Indeed,' quoth she, then bid the toxin sound, and rouse me up my nights. The seneschal obeyed, the sound was heard, and straightway flocking came five hundred knights. The hall they entered, where their lady stood with spite and anger pale. Barons, she said, a bold and wicked knight my grounds hath passed, and will not quit the walls. Now, if his head pay not this insolence, I never will hold land or honour more. Lady, replied a tall and proper knight of great renown, Simon the Red by name, I will go seek him out, if such your wish, and trust, alive or dead, to bring him here. So be it, said Brunisande. Added the seneschal, My troth, good friend, I bid thee shield thyself, he can most sturdily defend his sconce, and brave indeed I'll hold the happy knight who takes it off by force. Simon, without a word, went on his way, and Geoffrey found still sleeping. Rudely he cried, Up, up, Sir Knight, arouse! Geoffrey, who moved not more than any rock, received from Simon then so strong a kick, it woke him up in haste. Nathless, thou promisedst to let me sleep, he then exclaimed, and tis a villain's act to break thy faith when thus I'm overcome. Come speak then to my lady, Simon said, and I by force must take thee to the hall. We first will see who's strongest, 
thou or i said geoffrey in a low tone when springing on his horse he ran at simon who like haste displayed bold simon's lance was split on geoffrey's shield but he was borne by that of his brave foe so swift to earth it nearly cost his life geoffrey ran up as though to make it sure when loud he called for grace wilt thou annoy me further in my sleep if i do grant it no lord i promise thee go then said geoffrey who again laid down and quick reclosed his eyes simon the red with flush upon his face and shame at heart slowly retraced his steps certes did he make but half the noise he made on setting out so that the seneschal who watched him come could not withhold his smiles lady he said behold your champion but with him comes no knight i'd wage my spurs like me he has taken oath morg of this pleasantry the dame replied ere i have rest this naughty knight shall hang hearing the words one of the keepers of the seven gates descended to the orchard but soon his troop returned bearing him faint and bleeding on his shield at such a spectacle fair brunisande could scarce contain her rage what have i round me naught but coward folk she loudly cried and knights without a heart go fifty if it need go thrice that number still but bring this vassal or no more return at this reproach the knights rushed off in troop and to the garden hide with clash and din when there they joffrey seized some by the arm and others by the leg while some his shoulders held and some his head and brought him thus into that lordly hall without his being able to stir limb on seeing them arrive the dame impatient came with hasty step and bade them set him free they loosed their hold and geoffrey stood upright nor could he think as round his glance was thrown twas sports that brought him mong such iron folk tall and well shaped his natural manly grace set off with hauberk rich and burnished casque struck brunisande who eyed him curiously tis you at length she said who all this ill have wrought fair lady he replied so far am i from doing what you say or causing you annoy i would defend you with my utmost strength against all of mother born in that you say not truth for you erewhile have so misused my knight that he may chance to die i own it lady fair but he was in the wrong having by oath engaged to let me sleep he thrice returned to wake me up and struck me with his lance still had i known him fee fee to you never on him had risen this knightly hand e'en for a greater cause no matter i can see replied the dame we'll find in you and that ere morning sun a proper subject for the cord or worse whilst thus she spoke geoffrey regarded her and ne'er had tired admiring her brow her neck her fair and sweet fresh face her rosy mouth and blue and loving eyes lady quoth he love gliding o'er his soul do with me what you will for with no other arms than that rich robe you would have vanquished me with greater ease than ten knights clad in mail if gainst my knowledge i have caused you pain wreak now your own revenge and never gainst you shall uprise my sword 
or lance or shield be used hearing him reason thus so courteously the dame forgets her wrath love with his golden shaft hath pierced her heart and now she pardons all those lips still bear a menace to the ear but those sweet eyes belight grown bold the knight who still did on her gaze begged her to grant a boon let me he said but slumber at my ease then do what justice bids fear not that i shall hence seek means to fly for heaven preserve me you have somehow gained such power o'er my soul that you alone are better guard than ten hundred of your men with arms in hand fair brunisande retired with a sigh leaving for so ladieu a look so sweet that spite of his dull sense it filled his heart with joy meantime the seneschal whose care it was bade the attendants then prepare a couch in the middle of the hall he there conducted joffrey and then asked his name and country i am of king arthur's court quoth davon's son now prithee ask no more but in god's name let me in quiet rest full armed as he then was he laid him down and sleep his eyelids closed not so fair brunisande love in her chamber had renewed the assault and banished sleep away and thus she mused until the city watch gave forth the accustomed sound at that trumpet's call each in the castle and the city rose and all at once gave loose to tears and groans high dames and damsels brunisande in chief clasping their hands in sign of deepest woe beat their fair breasts and face while the knights who guarded joffrey made such dreadful din it woke him up and made him ask the cause all at the word rushed forward to the couch and struck with lance and sword and iron mace well twas for him his hauberk was of proof for the blows came just like to a storm of hail nor did they cease thinking the knight was dead until the doleful cries had died away then each resumed his post and silence fell o'er all again at mid of night those cries uprose but joffrey whom no sleep again had blessed and whose cleared thoughts were fixed on brunisande took careful note to guard his curious tongue holding his breath he said within himself certes are these men no folk of flesh and blood but demons hither sent to pester earth with heaven's help to-morrow's blessed sun shan't light upon me here persuaded he was dead after that storm of blows the knights relaxed their watch and slumbered at their posts joffrey then seized the chance and noiselessly uprose with shield and lance in hand he left the castle halls on tip of toe by good luck found his horse and mounting quick at fullest speed set out had he but dreamt the love fair brunisande conceived not all her men-at-arms would from montbrun have chased him but with slaughter little deemed he as hill and dale he crossed with breathless speed she at that hour was in her fancy musing how she might make him hers who shall depict as rose the sun next morn fair brunisande's dismay when of the first who to the hall came down she heard of joffrey's flight as one deprived of sense those hundred knights she loudly did accuse of treason to their faith 
their negligence she banned and to the seneschal in wrath exclaimed that if he found not joffrey he should by fire or cord full surely die even if torments yet unheard were hers whilst that this scene was passing at montbrun joffrey already was well on his road and shortly after rising of the sun he met a neat herd driving of a car laden with bread and wine and other things this man invited him by holy charity to eat with him and used such kindly words that joffrey yielded to his hearty wish frankly avowing that for three whole days he had not tasted food the neat herd therefore took his shield and lance drew from his car good wheaten bread and wine two roasted capons three grilled partridges and part of a wild boar then spreading on the turf beneath a leafy tree a fair white cloth a brook just bubbling by he served the knights and paid him great respect when they had eat their fill and in their thirst emptied two bowls of wine joffrey prepared to go thanking the neat herd for his welcome meal this man was vassal to fair brunisond the lady of high worth and as the knight was turning to depart he drew the charger's rein and gently said good friend one thing i fain would ask of you which i had half forgot why do the people of this fair domain so weep and loudly moan ah rascal wretch thou traitor and thou fool exclaimed the neatherd bursting forth with rage thy wretched life shall answer for those words with all his strength he then at joffrey cast the ponderous axe he bore which struck his shield and brought out fire and flame the knight spurred on his horse and got clear off but mid a storm of stones the neat herd then enraged at missing him shivered his car to bits and with his axe struck both his oxen dead in ignorance of the cause of all this rage joffrey at length relaxed his horse's speed still as he went exclaiming that he'd hold as naught all yet that he had done till he had met a creature who could tell the reason of that wailing busied with such like thoughts and the remembrance of fair brunisond he rode the livelong day spite of fatigue and heat when daylight waned two youths well horsed with falcon on the fist and hounds and terriers running at their feet came up to him and after slight discourse invited him to share their evening meal and that so courteously he could not make denial the three young men then gaily went along talking of love and battle's iron strife when as twas sunset rose again that cry at which the youths like madmen howled and wept good youths quoth joffrey with astonishment what means this grief what heard you sirs i pray and why such noise why ask thou foolish treacherous serf that word shall cost thy life and as one cast at him his startled bird the other plucked his cap from off his head and threw it madly gainst bold joffrey's shield their fury and hard words finished as ceased that cry when quickly following the wondering knight with honeyed phrase they charmed away his wrath and to their habitation led the way this was a chatelet of graceful form girded by lofty walls and outer foss through which a living stream for ever ran beside the bridge there sat an aged knight listing a minstrel's song 
the lay of the two lovers it was the father of the two young men beholding joffrey he in haste arose and came to give him welcome saying with joyful tone i am beholden lord to those who've brought you seven long years have flown since stranger guest hath this my threshold crossed whose aspect pleased me so god save you sir thus speaking by the arm the knight escorted joffrey to the hall where the two youths removed his armour bright soon there came in a damsel fair of fresh and smiling look who brought him a rich mantle which when he had put on she on a cushion placed beside him sat then they discoursed on various pleasant things until twas time for water to be brought a well-bred page did pour it o'er his hands while the fair damsel held the ready bowl at which sir joffrey said maiden i'll not this kindly act refuse for should you e'er need service at my hands whate'er the hour or place you may full surely call me to your aid they then at table sat and when the meal was o'er the cloth removed the damsel went the couches to prepare and left her father and the knight alone the old man asked his name and wept for joy to learn the son of Dovon was his guest his ancient friend in arms he would have fain a month detained him there but joffrey cleverly excuses made and at the point of day he in his saddle found himself again the maid had given him his shield and lance and he his leave was then about to take when it occurred to him to ask his host about that wailing cry scarcely however was the question put when the old man and his two sons alike assailed him with hard names they called him knave and wretch and villain son they tried to strike at him with sturdy clubs and tore their hair in that unseemly rage joffrey by dint of spur escaped their wrath and wondering saw them on each other turn their fitful ire and tear their clothes to rags their fury spent they called him back again and joffrey wishing to have news of tola consented to return as it fell out no man could give him more the aged knight well knew that champion fierce and in these terms did tell him what he sought follow he said all day this very road it leads across a track of desert space where ne'er are found or house or town or bread or wine or man of mother born if you should wish in passing to repose nought but the turf can be your host or tent go onward thus until to-morrow's sun before the noon you will have reached a plain wherein is set a high and rugged mount there at its foot a castle you'll behold pleasant and finely built and round its moats a crowd of tents and huts where harbour knights and lords of high descent pass stoutly on nor speak a word to man go to the castle without stop or stay whatever may befall and enter boldly in leaving without your lance and eke your shield there you will find two dames one old one young who watch a wounded knight go to the ancient dame and to her say that Auger de Cliar sends you there that she may tell you why the people groan and give you news of tola End of chapter six